Now, we've been working our way through Galatians chapter, chapter 4, talking about grace changes everything. At the end of chapter 4, he's going to make a change, start talking more about practical application of this grace in the church and in everyday life. So chapters 5 and 6 are some of my favorite in the book of Galatians. I'm going to be preaching starting November 29th a series called Grinches That Steal Christmas. And we're going to let Galatians overlap into that. So chapter 6 will be the first two Grinches because he's dealing with some of the problems in the church. And we're going to look at those in that Christmas series. Chapter 5 is a great chapter. And you'll want to make sure that you hear those scriptures and that message. Now, chapter 4, verse 21, the summation of his discussion about grace and his defense of we are saved by grace only through faith only, which has been questioned by some of the teachers in Galatia. Verse 21 says, tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now, Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Be glad, barren woman, you who never bore a child. Shout for joy and cry aloud, you who were never in labor. Because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At the time the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son for the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. He is celebrating a freedom in Christ. And I believe it is personal testimony that he is sharing. I believe the Apostle Paul reflects back on his past, raised in Judaism, learning the system, believed that he was going to be right with God by keeping all the laws and holding to this system that he inherited from his forefathers and discovering one day on the road to Damascus that he was dead wrong. Encountered by Christ on the road to Damascus, he had to reinterpret and understand in a different way all that he learned before. And when he got through reflecting on his persecution of the church, even the martyrdom of Christians that he himself enabled, he felt like a slave to a system. He felt like he'd been captured, like he'd been in bondage to this slavery of a religious system that so twisted 
God's revelation in his life that he thought he was doing the will of God by killing innocent people. Maybe religion gone awry at its worst in the zealot Saul of Tarsus. Oprah Winfrey has developed a new documentary called Belief in her television system. And here she says that young people are abandoning organized religion and religious authority and replacing it with personalized and customized beliefs. And these beliefs are devotions, not so much creeds, but devotional from the heart. I think the Apostle Paul experienced religious authority and religious systems that enslaved him and put him in bondage. And Jesus brought to him a new understanding of God that liberated him from the chains he'd had in the past. And young person, if you're longing for a relationship with God, not mediated by individuals or systems, that's what you have in Jesus of Nazareth. In Jesus of Nazareth, it is every individual giving his answer to God, responding to God himself. It is you realizing what God has done in all of history to bring you to himself and you connecting to him as an individual. We are not offering today a religious system. We are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. So listen to the divine promise, would you? Would you hear the divine promise of God as he speaks to you and calls you unto himself? He is not saying to you, look, if you keep these rules and regulations, you will please me and I will receive you into heaven. He is saying to you, if you will receive my son Jesus, then I will empower you to be my sons and my daughters. It is all about the promised one. It's all about the promise. Abraham and Sarah heard a promise from God. It was unsolicited. They didn't themselves initiate this relationship. God interrupted them as he did with, the, with Saul of Tarsus. And God spoke to him first and told him to move, gave him the promise, I'm going to make you a great nation. Then he said, you're going to have a son, and this child is going to be the child of promise. God didn't have to do that. They weren't coercing him to do that. He did that in his own initiative. He gave them the promise. And the promise was not just for them, but it was for all nations. Through your seed, all nations will be blessed. And so God gave this promise unto us, freely given. God is drawing us into a relationship with himself through his son, Jesus. He's not putting on us the chains of a religious system. He's not calling us to the adherence of laws and regulations and thereby achieving our righteousness. Not even Abraham was righteous before God based on his behavior. The scripture says Abraham believed God and that was reckoned to him as righteousness.
Abraham believed God. We are children of the free woman. Christ has set us free. In the next chapter, he will say, if the son, or Jesus said, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. He says, we have been called unto liberty in chapter 5. If you are looking for a personal connection with God, apart from religious systems and apart from being mediated by other human authority, then you are looking for Jesus because he is the one who saves us and him alone. And we are saved by grace through faith. We are not recommending to you a set of laws or a religious system. We are commending unto you Jesus of Nazareth, Son of God and Savior of the world. Abraham and Sarah were enabled to hear God's voice and to respond to this promise. And the Spirit of God enables you to hear the promise as well. God speaks to people, and maybe he's speaking to you. Maybe this religious search, this spirituality that you're seeking, that is God stirring your heart. Don't assume that God's been inactive in the world and that all you can know about him is what you see in nature. That's just not true. As in your life, so in the lives of previous generations, God has been active in the world. He's been seeking to communicate his love, his fatherhood, that he wants to rescue us from the trouble we're in. He's been doing that for generations. And that's the message we have in Jesus of Nazareth. God coming to earth to rescue us. Listen to the divine promise and work hard where work counts somebody says well what can I do I want to work I want to do something well there's a lot that you can do Abraham and Sarah stayed busy their whole lives they had a, an amazing and enormous family and community which they were responsible for and every day they got up and they worked hard but they were not saved. They were not made right on the basis of their work. I want to get up every morning and work hard. I know you do too. We want to do all that we can. We want to bring God glory. We want to be obedient with our lives. All these things are, are important, but do not work in order that you will be saved. Do not suppose that your activity is going to save you. See, the very notion that you could work and thus earn your salvation displeases the Father who made his way for you. He told Abraham and Sarah, you're going to have a son. And years passed, and they grew old. And they thought to themselves, how is this ever going to come about? And there came a day when Sarah, in her old age, brought her slave girl, Hagar, to the bed of her husband of many years, Abraham. And she said, perhaps through this slave girl, I can have a son. And the slave girl got pregnant and bore a son, Ishmael. And Abraham prayed unto God and said, oh God, that Ishmael might live before you. We're too old to have children, Sarah and I. Let Ishmael be the promised one. And God said, no, 
That's not the promise that I made. I don't need your help keeping my promise. God made a promise to you. If you receive Jesus, he will empower you to be his child. If you will trust in him, he will give you eternal life. He will forgive you sin if you will ask him. These are promises of God. You can't help him keep his promise. He will keep his promise. The security of your salvation and my salvation is in the promise of God. He does it all. He does it all. Jesus paid what? Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. The song is true. You can't add to it. You can receive what God has done. You cannot add to it. And when we try to add to it, we insult the one who sent his one and only son to save us. It brings him grief for us to suppose that we can earn our salvation by our good deeds. It's impossible to do so. He wants to draw us not into a web of bondage uh, to commands and regulations and rules. He wants us to be drawn into a relationship with him, a relationship of love where he is our God, we are his people, and we enjoy this relationship of love. Isn't that what we want? Isn't this what we need? Do we really need the bondage of rules and regulations? Is that really where we want to go? If we choose that route, we will end up in frustration and eventual despair. We cannot be good enough for God. But Jesus has been good enough for God. And God looks upon Jesus, who died upon the cross, and he is satisfied with his sacrifice on our behalf. So we are saved not by what we do, but by what Jesus did as he died upon the cross. Our salvation is totally resting then in him. We are children of promise. We work hard where work counts, but we don't suppose that our work gets us into heaven. As Abraham was saved by faith, so are we. All the people who will be in heaven one day are people who got there by faith, believing in God's promise, trusting in his provision through Jesus. That's how you get to heaven. So receive this promise with joy. They named Isaac laughter. And we think about the promise that came to them in their old age. And when the angel said, you're going to have a son, Sarah laughed. She denied it later on. She said, no, I didn't laugh. Yeah, you did. You laughed. She laughed. She did. I know she did. Think of this old woman. You're going to have a son. Oh, brother. <laughs> what are the, what's the angel thinking? You know, she laughed. And they later named him laughter. But you think about their home when that boy is born. Just think about it for a minute. You've been longing for a child your whole long life. Now in your old age, suddenly you give birth to a son. And you hear him cry when he comes out of that birth canal. I'll bet you there was laughter in the heart 
of Abraham and Sarah the day that Isaac was born. There are some things that are so delightful, so impossible, so surprising that all you can do is say hallelujah and you combine your laughter with tears because it's such a wonderful thing God has done for you. Such an amazing thing. Yes, name that boy laughter. He's God's wonderful surprise. And if grace surprises you, that's okay too. You receive it. As Lizzie said, there's a moment when the light comes on and you realize this is not about me. This is about God. Why Abraham? Why Sarah? It's God. It's God choosing, drawing, calling, saving, providing in his grace everything you need. Let the laughter, let the joy flow. Receive the promise with joy. God has done something wonderful for you. I wrote this long letter to Robin. She just couldn't believe it was all of grace. She just felt there had to be some rules and regulations. And if you didn't do these, then you weren't saved. And I wrote this long letter to her responding to her questions about salvation by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus. And I'm telling you, it's the key truth that we find in Scripture. It is the truth that opens up the world to you. It changes the way you see life, the way you understand your own existence on the planet. It changes how you see God to realize that God has provided all so that you might come into his presence. He has taken care of everything. Receive this promise with joy. Bow with me, please. Heavenly Father, Lord, you're so good to us. You provide for us in such a marvelous way. God, we pray that you will fill our hearts with wonder. Let us know and enjoy and receive your grace. By your Holy Spirit, speak to us. Help us to hear the, the promise from you. To hear it not only with ears, but, but in our heart. To know the truth of your love for us. Your grace extended to us. And all that you've provided through the death of Christ upon the cross. God, we pray this moment will be a moment of grace for someone in the room who needs to know you by believing and receiving. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.